what's up everyone welcome to the museum of my mind depending on what time you're listening good morning good afternoon and good night or good evening my name is Kwamisha Marino and I am the host of the museum of my mind so when I initially made this um this podcast mind you this all started during the I mean I've had the idea for like years but it really started during the pandemic it was like yeah, I love museums. I'm going to talk about museums. And then as I brainstorm further, it's like, what is a museum? And what does the museum of my mind actually mean? And I'm really thinking about my professor, one of my first acting teachers. Her name is uh, Lori Key. I've actually cried during one of her shows before because it made me think about what we're going to talk about today. But... um. Basically, what she told us in acting class is like each one of your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts. Imagine that it's like a long hallway. And in that hallway, you have a multitude of doors. And each door has a different emotion. So you have to learn as an actor how to uh, how to cut those things on and off. How to basically unpack it. So when I think about it. I think about, hey, I just moved in, everything's in boxes, I have to go in each room and I have to literally unpack these emotions. And also I had a professor of Papaji's and Papaji said, in order to portray life on stage, you have to get out there and you have to live life, which is what I've been trying to do because how can I call myself an actor, an actress, a, a poet, a writer? if I don't actually have these experiences. And I think that's one of the best things about me. So my new norm, to let you all know before we get deep into it, this episode is triggering to me. I hope that I don't start crying. And the name of this episode is Relapse. I'm going to make this very clear and quietly as I possibly can, so I apologize for the yelling. But... Do not, do not come into my life if you are going to leave. Do not sit here and tell me you are in love with me and that you care for me and that you want to see me happy if you are going to leave. I am tired. So that was a big explosion of emotions. And the first time that I heard it, I played it over and over and over. And I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I needed to feel. And, and okay, it's not exactly that I needed to feel. Because I always feel. I'm a very emotional person. Even though a lot of the times I come off as being like very like nonchalant. Because I just try to have the mindset of like, if there's nothing that I can do to fix it, then why am I spending my energy on it? Why am I getting worked up? Why am I why am I crying? But I'm a crier. I'm a hugger. Um, my love language, one of my love languages is physical touch, which people always mistake for uh, sexual intercourse, which they're two completely different things. But that's just who I am. And I'm not sure who made this because I honestly do not remember. Forgive me if the artist, well, if the person who's going through the emotions ever hears and say, hey, that's my voice. You just let me know who you are and I'll like give you a shout out. But um, 
yeah so what she what she's saying it it really it hurts my heart because I've felt that way several times and um yeah so this episode relapse is about my mother now I do recommend that if you are listening to this episode to first listen to the Mother's Day episode because in the Mother's Day episode I give um I give you all a poem I give if you listen to any of the first like 10 episodes like you hear a lot from my mom you get a poem you learn a little bit about like her life and the things that um she's experienced growing up and and the things that I I want like my own personal hopes and aspirations for her but now I'm learning that that might be kind of selfish uh the name of the Mother's Day episode is called Mommy Memories and that's episode nine so a lot has happened um I've moved if you hear a train in the background kind of silly but not really because the apartment is decent um I live by the train (laughs) so you might hear the train um in the background and then I live next to a lot of Dominicans so you might hear some music every now and then and like hopefully we get our lives together um I'm recording right now it's literally Sunday 308 a.m and I just felt the need to speak I I miss speaking and, and getting my my thoughts out and I've learned that this podcast has been like so amazing for me in that way that I'd rather just come and talk than actually like sit down and write. And by the way, I did no writing for this. This is all just going to be off the top of my head. So um, this, well, last weekend, actually, where do I even start? So my godmother, as you may have heard before, or if this is your first episode, let me give you um, some context. And just a FYI for everyone, I'm not, I'm not sitting here and saying these things for y'all to uh, feel bad for me. I'm not saying these things for it to be a sob show. I'm saying these things because I'm sure that someone else in the world is going through the same experience, and they might feel like they are alone and. I feel like I'm on this earth to let people know that they are not alone, that they have someone, that they have me, and I might have had the same experience, or I know someone who who has, and I don't want to always sit here and share other people's narratives, but sometimes it's important to do so, because we all need to learn about our past, our present, our future, so that we can like become better people. So my context... Uh, I was raised in a foster home. Uh, my foster mom, she died when I was 18. Her name is Marilyn Edwards. The love of my life, well, one of them, because my niece is also the love of my life. And, um, yeah, she passed in uh, February 4th, 2009. So, you know, I never forget her birthday. So today is, what, September 18th? Is my math so off yet? Today is September 20th, 2020, and on the 14th this past Monday, it was her birthday, so um, my family and I, we all got together, and just to, just to celebrate her, and we had a coconut cake. <laughs> my dad is so funny. He gets a coconut cake, but he knows that no one eats coconut cake except for him and like one of my sisters. It was like, it was hilarious. 
anyway so we all got together and we um we said a few things and it was it was a great experience just because I hadn't seen them in a long time. And we said things like, well, at least I'll, I'll share what I said because this is just me not wanting to share someone else's narrative again. But what I said was that when she initially died, I didn't cry. And most people, I feel like they would have cried. They would have been like, oh my God, you're leaving me. What am I going to do without you? But I felt so confident in her death knowing that she did everything that she could possibly do while she was alive and that she didn't owe me anything. And those are my honest thoughts from, actually, I was 19. Those are my honest thoughts from when I was 19. Even at the funeral, like, I remember sitting in the front. I had, like, um, I used to be obsessed with those, like, golden, uh, those red fishy candies. And when I worked at Jones Beach, I used to buy, like, the big container. I think it was, like, five bucks. I used to eat them all the time. Like, I remember sitting in the front of the funeral, passing out candy and stuff, and just, like, just enjoying the moment and just not being sad. And looking back, I'd say that the saddest part was actually um, feeling deaf in the room. Now, some people might be like, hmm, Kamisha, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is that I used to work at the, um, I used to work at Wendy's on Sunrise Highway, and working there, um, I was actually working the drive through in Baldwin, Baldwin, New York, next to Freeport, New York. And I get the phone call like, hey, Misha, I got to tell you something. Like, you know, mom died. And I'm like, bitch, what? Like, what do you mean mom died? And I remember the day like it was yesterday. Um, my other foster sister, which I don't claim her anymore, but, you know, for the story, let me say it all. Like, she literally fell out on the floor. And she started crying. I had got her a job there with me. And then um, one of the guys from work, they literally just like, you know what, you guys can just go, it's fine. He drove us home. And when we walked inside the house, oh, there's this train. I don't know if you guys can hear it. I'm pretty sure you can hear it. <laughs> so he drove us home. And then when we get to the house, it's so cold. It's, it's freezing inside the house, freezing, freezing, freezing. And then my dog, I had a cocker spaniel. She um she she recently died. She died last last year. My cocker spaniel, she had like tears falling down her fur. Like she knew what was going on. And yeah, that that's the day that my mom died. That's exactly the day my mom died. But to bring the story um back around, so feeling feeling that the feeling that coldness and seeing those tears is like, oh wow, like this is this is real, but I still didn't personally cry because I felt like, you know, she did everything that she could for me. So that's what I said um, last week, Sunday. And then um, shout out to my sister, Jessica. She she got into farm school and she just graduated and she got her associate's degree. So shout out to you, Jess. And when I did it, like I bought her a white coat. And then for my graduation, because I also, I just graduated with my bachelor's. I majored in um in theater, minor in journalism, and we we both graduated. We were super excited. We had all these like big ideas, but you know, COVID. So I bought her her white jacket. So it it says her name on it, and then it has like the um the patch on the arm. And for my graduation, I got a camera, so I I took some pictures of her, and she loved them. And I'm just happy that I could be there to support her. But she gave me, because I moved, she gave me a mirror. I'm like, oh my God, you know, I'm going to get the mirror home. It's Now at this point, I have mad stuff. Like my dad, he, um, 
and his trunk he had like mad rolls of like paper towel and toilet tissue and Lysol because he works at um he works at BJ's and I'm like oh dad what you got so he give it all to me and I'm like oh no are you sure because this is like he's like girl well you know what you got your own apartments but you still gotta wipe your butt right <laughs> I, guys you tell me was that funny or is it just like funny to me because I'm like his kid I'm not even sure so right <laughs> So I have all this stuff and it's going to be like a lot to carry. So what I do is um, I, I text my little brother and then I text my mom in a group chat. I'm like, hey, can you guys meet me um, downstairs? I have a lot of stuff to carry. And I, I call my mom because she, she doesn't text back. And then she's like, Misha, I fucked up. I'm like, woo, woo, ah, ah, what you mean, sis? Like, what are you talking about? And then she's like, yo, I've, I've, I fucked up. And for context around that, I think I said it before. I'm not, I'm not sure. But she's been, uh, she's been drug free for, well, she was drug free for nine years. And she was doing well. And she was like living her best life. She was going out, had friends, shopping all the time, had a good job. And I just feel like, Sometimes the demons of your past they they catch up to you, and it's crazy because when we're younger we don't understand like there's certain things that we just shouldn't do because it's not gonna like look right or whatever the case may be. But I I feel like things just catch up to her, especially like how she was running the streets. So what happened is Jessica drove me home. So we get to the front of the building, and Larry is waiting for me. Like he just got off work. So I'm like, um, yeah, like, just take this stuff. But, like, when you go upstairs, like, don't stop and say hi to mom. Like, just go, like, train your room, right? And he does that, and he's just like, why, why, why? And I'm like, yo, I'm not going to tell you. And for me, it's like I'm losing my mind because over the last 10 years, my mom has really become, like, one of, like, my closest friends, and to have all of that trust ripped right away from you is like really heartbreaking. And most times I'm not that emotional, but when I tell you all, like I literally cried that night. So what I did, th these are the things that I did. I went into her room and I took everything that was worth something. And she was still in the act of trying to get high. So I got a little aggressive in my tone. I said, look, you're not going to fucking disrespect me. You're not going to. I'm sorry, but you're not going to smoke in front of me. I know you just took money out to buy more drugs, but you're not going to buy that while I'm standing here. Even her phone. I'm like, yo, give me your phone. And she wouldn't give me her phone. She got a little aggressive when it came to that. But she was like, oh, well, you know, I got to call this person. Nah, you don't. Like, you're good. You don't have to call nobody. And... She was, like, getting upset with me. And then she's like, Misha, like, you don't have to watch me. You don't have to. No. At first, when, when she's high, she doesn't, um. When, all right, when you have someone in your in your life that's high off of drugs with crack, heroin, cocaine. I don't even know if they're all the same thing. But in this particular, uh, particular situation, I'm talking about crack. And just a reminder, like, I'm not saying this to embarrass anyone. I'm saying this solely because. I believe that other people have similar situations, especially people in my age range. Just because of the, the crack era, most of us have family members who are on drugs. 
But again, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, sweep it under the rug. It happened in the house. You can't take what happens in the house outside of the house, right? So I go in her room and we're having these com- this conversation and I'm getting really aggressive with her because I'm getting upset. And it was so bad. I, I even went through the garbage can. Like, oh, let me see what you were actually doing. I've never done that before. Even when it comes to men, I don't even check phones. Like, I'm not, I'm not that pressed. Again, I'm too nonchalant sometimes. But I was just really... I was really disappointed and I kind of felt like it was my fault because it's like, sis, I, I was gone. I was gone for literally one day. Gone for, no, probably like two days. But it's like, are you are you acting now and you feel alone because I moved? Are you acting now and you feel alone because I'm not in a city right now? Like, what is it that triggered you to make you to make you do this? And she still hasn't given me an answer. We went like two days without talking. Um, she called me to ask me about something completely opposite of like this situation and she just doesn't want to talk about it. And her answer is, well, it happened. There's nothing we can do about it. So let's just move on from it. And that's not good enough for me. So earlier when I said that I put, I think I said something like I put my, my hopes and my dreams and my aspirations on her, but those are, those ideas only came because she's, she's capable of them. But I learned just because I think someone's capable doesn't mean anything. They also have to think that they are capable. So it's been hard in that kind of way. But just getting into some memories, um, a lot of people look at me and they think, oh, cute, like she she has everything together. And I'm happy you all think that. (laughs) But I would like to say that I am a beautiful mess. Kind of like... You know when Eminem says, and love the way you lie, he says, because that's what happens when a tornado meets a volcano. I'd, I'd say that's me, somewhere in that mix of the tornado and the volcano together. But even though you know it's wrong, you still kind of like want to go after it anyway. And yeah, I, I would say that's me, but I'll stop with that part right here. <laughs> so um, I've really been a mess, and I, I feel like I went through a lot, and I feel like People like me, people who went through, um, who've experienced drug abuse in their family, people who've been in foster care, like, we're told, like, we're not supposed to make it. We're not supposed to be alive past 18, past 21. We're not supposed to do anything with our lives because that's, that's that's what statistics show. That's what people see on average, that people like me don't make it, don't have, um, decent lives. But back to these memories, though. I remember being young and having really bad anxiety, um, especially when I lived in Long Island when I was really young because my parents will always say that they were coming to get me and they never came to get me. And I try to do this thing where um, I call it inner child work, inner child work, where I ask myself, Kwamisha, what is it that the little kid inside of you wants? The little kid inside of me wants people to uh, to show up when they say that they will. They want them to um, be responsive and not be on drugs all day. Uh, I, I have this thing even that I realize as I'm um, in my older age now, which, you know, everything that you go, well, the majority of things that you go of um, in your adulthood stems from your your youth. 
So I have this thing where if someone says they're going to do something or they're coming over, like I get like really super excited to the point where like I need to know exactly what time, okay, where we're going. I don't want surprises because if it's a surprise, I might not be dressed right. And it's like, how should I do my hair? And it, it gives me anxiety because when I was that little girl sitting in the window waiting for my mom and my dad to come, most of the time they didn't show. Or um, that's just one example. So I remember a time when I um, I was at my aunt's house and I made like maybe like three or five cans of tuna fish for like little old me. Mind you, like I was way smaller back then. And my uncle was like, why are you making all that? I'm like, oh, because, well, I'm going to be hungry earlier, so I'm going to eat it all now. Like not knowing that like my stomach had limits and I'm not a, I'm not a bear. Like I'm not going to just store all of this food and just, you know, be good for the next couple of days. Or just being like, uh, just being aggressive over food. And I don't know how true this story is because I didn't look it up. But I heard through the grapevine that um, that I think it was in like India, somewhere in that area, that there was like a group of monkeys and they became really aggressive towards the population just because they were used to getting fed by tourists and there was no tourism because of COVID. So they started kind of like attacking people and like stealing their food, which. I mean, it sounds crazy, like something you see in the movie, but it could like absolutely like happen. So imagine me, like I never, I never stole food to to eat, but imagine if that would have happened next to me, just because when I was younger, I wasn't uh, fed all the time. Like you know, when rappers always be like, "Yeah, I was starving," and like, do I believe all these rappers saying that? it's like when the songs come out nah it's like it's impossible all of your moms couldn't have been starving but the reality is is that when you're on a drug such as uh crack cocaine you don't care about anything except for your next high so um those are two really um important things and even when it comes to my love of uh, books and movies and, and just going to the theater uh, a big thing for me growing up was escapism through characters, and that's why I'm a writer now, and that's why I have a movie pass because these these characters. Little did I know at the time, or maybe I just came to the realization as I'm saying it, but I would live vicariously through these characters and through the things that they would do and what they would um, achieve. So now, what I do with my students is that I um. I always talk to them about cartoon characters and anime characters because hopefully it'll help them to relate on a better level. So just getting into um, just just talking more about a relapse and what it looks like. At least for me, I expected more, but just thinking about my mom and her life going backwards, I had to realize is that where she came from, right? She started getting high at a young age. Both of her parents, my my crack, my crack, oh my God, I'm not on crack, excuse me, no. Um, both of my grandparents were also on crack and they used to shoot up and my grandmother, uh, I'm not sure if they both died of AIDS, but I'm pretty sure my grandmother died of AIDS. So when I just look back at all the things she went through and her having to grow up at a young age because she used to have to take care of my aunt and my uncle because her parents were on drugs, it's like she never had a fair chance in life. And that's what really bothers me is like, a drug addiction is not a life sentence. You can still choose life when you're when you decide that you're done and you and you quit. But if you decide to go back, then it's like you're starting all over from 
from scratch. So I want to say when COVID started, I'm like, yeah, I feel bad for all these kids who are like at home with these parents and they're on drugs and they're not feeding them and things like that. But like truth of the matter is, is that I feel bad for me and I feel bad for the little girl and inside of me who had to relive those moments of being scared to walk around her own house or the little girl inside of me who would just lock herself in the bathroom because she was in foster care and she didn't know her biological family. So she'd rather just sit in the bathroom by herself. And even as an adult, um, my little brother told me, maybe like three weeks ago, he said, Misha, every time you're mad, you can't just like go in your room. And then for me, it's like, why not? If it, it gets to the point, right? If something that's happening in the environment that I am, that I'm in is not serving a purpose for me, then why am I there? And, and it's okay. At least I believe that it's okay to remove myself. But then also me realizing that maybe these are conversations I should have and not just always choose to walk away. So I'm not sure what this actually looks like for me. Like, I would like to have a conversation with my mom, but what do I say? What do I say at all? I I have no idea. Do we act like it didn't happen? Which I'm not okay with that because, again, that's just how family trauma just continues. Do I, um, <laughs> I don't know. And then she's still nonchalant. It's like, oh, well, it happened. It's like, how do we even start a conversation without it being completely awkward? And the truth is that it's going to be awkward. And the truth is that a lot of us need to have these conversations. And I'm not making excuses because she's my mom, but I, I would go with what Charlemagne feels in his book is that Parents were doing the best jobs that they possibly could that they knew how to do with what they had. And I feel like if you ask her, she did the best that she could do. Even though I would argue that the best wasn't good enough. But I, I came out okay, so I, sh- I should be fine, right? I should be satisfied, but I'm not. I always think about my life and, like, how much further in life could I be if... um. Like, if my mom, like, wasn't on drugs. Or, and let's not leave out my dad if my dad wasn't on drugs. You know, I don't really talk to him either. Hmm. Maybe I could have been a principal already. I, I don't know who I was talking to. I'm not sure. But they was like, yeah, you know, this principal, she's, like, 25 and she's principal. I'm like, what? 25? Like, such a young age. But, like, her family had planned out her life and, like, what she should do and what she shouldn't do. And they, they all had those, um, they all had those kind of conversations. Even for like the new career that I'm starting, I'm considered older to start this career, but I'm doing it anyway because I have a passion for it. But like, what if it was different? Um, this young lady I met today, her name is Autumn, and her parents paid for her to stay in the studio in Domino, Brooklyn, down by the water. Is it called Dumbo? I'm not sure. Balls by the Bridge. I think it's Domino Park. And this is like the cutest little studio in the world. And her rent, I think it was like $3,200 a month. And she's like, oh, this is a gift from my parents. What? A gift from your parents? Like my my mom couldn't do that. But I don't even know if her her parents even made any of that. No, I'm not even going to say if I know. I know for a fact that they didn't make that kind of money. So... What this really has me thinking is like, you know, I don't have any kids, but I I desire to have kids 
and I have a beautiful niece. So by the time that my life expires, what is it that I could leave her so that she can be better off than what I was? And how can I take the time now to teach her things? Um, getting to the emotional part of this and those memories again, I always on the inside feel like I'm questioning myself. All right, well, I was in foster care. Okay, well, did my mom not want me? Did my dad not want me? Did my grandma not want me? Because truth be told, my grandma adopted, which I, I love everyone in my family, but my grandmother adopted other people when she could have adopted me, right? Or what was my father doing? Why can't I stay with him? I don't even know what he was doing in those years, to be completely honest. I used to have like these little, I guess we could call them microaggressions against other family members because it was like, bro, like, why didn't you get me? Like, what's up? And then I, I realized as I got older, it's like they had to live their lives. I wasn't their particular like responsibility. And having a kid at a young age holds you back. Like to some people, definitely a blessing, but to some people it holds them back. So I can't be mad at them for living their lives. But then I always, I always for a long time look at them and say, well, that's why I'm the girl who sits in the bathroom because y'all didn't come get me. I knew where I was at. Literally Freeport, Long Island by car, maybe like 30 minutes. Long Island Railroad, 40 minutes an hour. Like I knew where I was at and no one came to get me. And my fear is that, um, I, I wouldn't say exactly that I'll die alone, but I am, I'm 30 years old now. I haven't been in a relationship in a long time. But my fear is that I won't get to have certain experiences because I'm used to being on my own and then I've also become like this kind of independent woman like I don't need a man but it's like if you're going to be around I need you to act right and it's like I'm not 18 anymore so we need to have certain types of conversations especially people I've known for like 12 years like those people like come on are we going to act like the same thing with my mom like are we going to act like certain things didn't happen are we going to actually sit and talk about it um What's my fear? I feel like uh, I got surgery last year, which I know I definitely want to make an episode about that. But when I got my surgery last year, it's like both of my brothers, my little brother picked me up. Um, Alejandra came. Robert bought me balloons or flowers, one of them. My mom, she was there, but not for like a long period of time. I think she just popped in and like popped right back out. But even with that experience, like I was telling people for a really long time that I was sick. And this is the part where I feel like I'm getting emotional. I I told my mom at least like two years, like yo, I I need to go to the doctor. Like come with me. I was scared to go. I didn't wanna, I didn't want anyone to tell me that I had cancer, because it's like how do I deal with having cancer? And like nobody would go with me, and that's just like really heartbreaking because I feel like in my lifetime how caring I am, which I've I've learned like millionaires like you kind of have to be an asshole to keep your money or like whatever the case may be but it's like I was so sick I could barely breathe the doctor said that I could have died in my sleep and for no one to go with me I'm like damn am I gonna like am I gonna fucking die by myself is is that what my life has like resulted to or the morning when I got surgery like literally where I was living at the hospital was what maybe like four blocks away like nobody even walked with me like I just I feel like a lot of times in life, like, you gotta put your boots on. Put your boots on. Hold on. Wait for this train to pass. <laughs> I feel like I was about to say something deep, too. 
maybe I should change the name of the podcast, The Museum of My Mind and the Train. Darn, if I would have just waited a couple months. Uh, What I was saying is that sometimes in life, like, you got to put your boots on, tie them tight, pick your chin up, cold once to zip, zip your coat up, put the hat on, do it all by yourself. Because at the end of the day, I don't think anyone can take care of you more than you can take care of you. And getting the surgery really just taught me that I needed to be more um, more selfish. Like the way that I give and I love to other people, I need to give and love myself. And it's it's been hard, but this apartment, like... Yeah, I should see my living room. Like, it's it's really coming together. And I'm just happy to be sitting here at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm actually pretty cold. But <laughs> I should get a blanket. But I'm I'm just happy that I have it. And I'm like, yo, this is this is for me. Like, I, I did this. Um, hmm. <laughs> Don't you think people are giving speeches and they just keep saying, um, I should have wrote, but I didn't written i should have written something i'm trying to think of any other emotion that pops up in my head before i decide to end this i don't know if i completed my last thought basically my last thought was like i kind of feel that people don't want me i kind of feel like not kind i definitely feel like people don't want me i feel like i'm not good at making friends i feel like sometimes i can be antisocial. I feel like um, I feel like I I always have to make sure that I I earn my keep. I also feel like now that I'm getting older, I realize that there's different types of friends for different things, <laughs> and people can just be your friend for like a particular um, situation. But from the experience of my mom and my dad being on drugs, um, I feel like TLC has this song called "Unpretty." <laughs> you can buy your hair if it don't grow. You could fix your nose if you said so. I felt like I was honestly thinking earlier. I was like, you know what? I should just get I should just get surgery to get my body done. And maybe that'll make me more attractive. But every time my mom looks at me, she says, I look just like my dad. Or someone will say, oh, you look just like your mom. And... Just even thinking about names, like just because I look like you, does that mean that I carry everything that you are with me? And the truth is that you do, because your body can hold trauma up to fourteen generations. I don't know how many years back that take me, but that's slavery, that's segregation, that's family members being hanged, that's um, that's starving, that's the crack era, that's the AIDS era. That's the, hey, you can't get a job because you have Afro era. It's all those different things. And I would say that I'm scared that I'm holding myself back. I'm scared that my past will catch up to me. And not my past life that I'm currently living right now. My, my past of my ancestors will catch up to me. But maybe my ancestors are with me. Maybe they're, they're, they're watching me and they're guiding me. Um, this, this last thing, this very last thing I just thought about, um, I have, I have a friend for one of my programs and she's like, Hey Q, you know, like you're always like laughing and like, woo woo, ah, ah, like you don't take things seriously. Not I take things seriously, but it's like things, things happen for me. And that's not boasting. That's just saying like things really happen for me. And sometimes things just fall in my lap. And I just always said like I was blessed in that kind of way. And then. This past week when we was celebrating my, my foster mom, 
my my sister said the same thing and it was like yo we got an angel this is like this is our mom's doing like she's watching over us and she's she's making sure that we're okay and that was just really deep and 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 touching to me because we all felt the same way all right uh this last clip is from that episode of the fresh prince of bel-air when um will smith is with his dad lou and uncle phil is there and he's like yeah you know i'm going away with my dad and he gets his dad a gift and then he ends up um his dad basically says like something comes up something more important than your son and at the end and i was trying not to get i was trying to get to this without crying at the end he says like you know why doesn't he want me and then it, it's like they embrace in a hug and all i ever want from people okay not everybody but if you're someone who i say oh my god give me a hug like i really want to hug you it's so important to me it's so important to me and people just really don't understand it but i'm gonna play that clip again sorry i've been gone this is Cormisha marino museum of my mind thank you for listening um, I made my Instagram private. I am going to make a new Instagram just for this podcast. And now that I have my own space, I'll be able to um, record and I'll just have that privacy and that quiet besides the train and my Dominican neighbors blasting music on Friday nights. <laughs> all right, guys, listen to this clip and I will catch you all next week. Well, <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Um, some business came up I got a handle. So we're going to have to put a, our trip on hold. You understand? Yeah. yeah that's, that's cool. That's cool. Just, just for a couple of weeks. Mm, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little longer. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Look, I'll, I'll call you next week and we'll iron out the details. Okay? Yeah, yeah. It was great seeing you, son. You too, Lou. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm sorry, Will. You know, actually, this works out better for me. You know, the slimmies of summer come to class wearing next to nothing. You know what I'm saying? Will, it's all right to be angry. Hey, why should I be mad? I'm saying, at least he said goodbye this time. I just wish I hadn't wasted my money buying this stupid present. I'm sorry. I, you know, if there was something that I... Hey, you know what? You ain't got to do no, nothing. I feel like, you know, ain't like I'm still five years old, you know? Ain't like I'm going to be sitting up every night asking my mom, when's daddy coming home, you know? Who needs him? Hey, he wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? Hey, I got pretty damn good at it, too, didn't I, yeah, Uncle Phil? Got through my first day without him, right? Mm-hmm. I learned how to drive. I learned how to shave. I learned how to fight without him. I had 14 great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a damn card. Die out with him! I ain't need him then, and I don't need him now. Will. Now, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm going to get through college without him. I'm going to get a great job without him. I'm going to marry me a beautiful honey. And I'm going to have me a whole bunch of kids. I'm going to be a better father than he ever was. And I sure as hell don't need him for that. Because ain't a damn thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids. How come he don't want me, man?